It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. Hello, Erwin. I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about. Uh, somehow I knew you would be. Um, <laughs> and um, this is definitely your wheelhouse. And remember, realizing we are in season two here, I think I can also say this, uh, this line that we've said very often um, in when we're when we're talking about our Hamptons. This is an ancient history. <laughs> It's true. It's so true. I mean, this I... is not yet. It, it's going to be funny. So we are going to be talking about the Signa Gallery and Esperanza. Can we say in your professional opinion that we all everyone knows who we are by this point in our Hamptons and we, we Esperanza has a background in art history. Would you consider the Signa Gallery 1957 to 1960 on Main Street in East Hampton. Was that the one that started it all in terms of art galleries? It certainly would seem that way. Yes. I, as like a total, yeah, groundbreaking, trailblazing ah, trail um, endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I really would think so as well. And if we go back to 1957, and this is the Signa Gallery. I guess we should frame it this way, Esperanza. The Signa Gallery did not have a long history. It was only open from 1957 to 1960. It was four seasons, but the 1957, the East Hampton of 1957 was a much quieter place than the 65 year later East <laughs> Hampton we're currently living in. And it also had, uh, Suffice to say, a much more conservative kind of reputation, if you will, than the East Hampton of today. Yeah, you could say uh, insular, provincial, all these terms that are a little derogatory, but that's what it was. It was a small fishing, farming community, right? Still. Exactly. Ex ex that's exactly what it was. Again, there was still, it was still wealth here there was still a summer colony here obviously we've been over that in many episodes uh prior but right but again, think about the wealth right i mean i'm it, talking farming fishing those exactly like i think those people were probably more avant-garde than the wealthy component <laughs> no 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 question about it but but it was also 1957 this was really i mean the heyday the pride you know of the abstract expressionist movement. It was an established movement at this point by 1957. Am that's, I right, Esperanza? Yes, that's true. I mean, is this is uh, uh, the year after Pollock dies correct. in his car accident. That's so that was, uh, that obviously put a little sort of um, dent in the, in the movement, but it continued. Exactly right. Exactly right. So to... Let's see how we're going to frame this. First of all, let's introduce the cast of characters. Okay. The, the main cast of characters were the three proprietors of the Signa Gallery. And they were, and they all have a history 
uh, even 65 years later. Um, and we're going to get into that. You know, we're going to touch on that. You had John Little. Um, John Little, of course, was an abstract expressionist artist of that era. And his property has been preserved through community preservation. And we now know it as Duck Creek Farm. Yes. Uh, in Springs. We also had Elizabeth Parker, uh, another um, abstract expressionist artist of that era. And the Parker Anderson House currently houses the Springs Library. Right. The Springs Historical Society exactly. and they run the community library. Exactly. And it is a it is a property that she donated to the town of East Hampton. That is 100 percent correct. And then the third player in terms of this gallery was Alfonso Osorio, who, along with his partner, Ted Dragon, owned the creeks. And right. now um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Now, I, I read even though they all were equal partners putting up, I think, five hundred dollars each. Alfonso Osorio was from a very wealthy uh, Filipino family. I think they sugar. sugar sugar magnates, if I'm not right. As correct, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so I mean, I I think that's where maybe part of the, more of the funding came from. But irregardless, that's almost the second part of the story. The coolest part of the story, though, is again going back to early nineteen, you know, early mid nineteen fifties. This was a very conservative place. Now, Guild Hall at the time. Um, even their exhibits, while they did go a little out of the mainstream periodically, would you, Esperanza, wouldn't Guildhall's exhibitions at these during this era was still rather staid? Would you say, like, um, I think predominantly, I, I, I am aware that you know these same artists were already beginning; they were exhibited at Guildhall, you know, mm -hmm. like a member show or that kind of thing. Right. So there was that, but it was probably more more the child Hassam and merit chase and uh you know uh that you know the landscape moran yeah. you know yeah. more of that element than there was the uh because guild hall at that time remember was wood paneled fireplaced uh had armchairs you know it was fully furnished and people would learn to dance in the in the galleries oh and that God. kind of thing it was a true community center right now, so now, now thank you mrs is, woodhouse now that um, is wow it's an That's image a, right oh my gosh now, you know i, I now that I, we I really could joke we could joke that those fireplaces should be preserved because pollock urinated in one of them oh, but that oh. was not the place okay well, <laughs> I, I, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still trying to think about this place like with with paneling and like overstuffed club chairs like that's the that's kind of what it is yeah that's the kind of atmosphere it was. yeah so, so think about conservative yes that's that yeah, was so, it came out of 1930s you know so it, it, exactly so what happened here was um going through this and we're getting the, a lot of this research um there was a a retrospective, in, in a sense, of the Signa Gallery in 1990 at Guildhall, and some of the some of the research we got just to put this out there from the get go was from New York Times articles of that time, and also Helen Harrison's um, book East Hampton Avant Garde: A Salute to the Signa Gallery, which was the companion to the exhibition at Guildhall. Yeah. Um, and Helen wrote in here, and uh, Esperanza and I touched on this uh, just before we 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 started recording. Um, in the mid nineteen fifties, um, there was you know, the, the vanguard. You know, touching on what Esperanza was saying about um, 
about what was being exhibited at Guildhall, there was there was a group. People wanted to exhibit more of the Abex kind of artwork and wanted a place for it. And in search of this more exclusive venue, they found the House of Music and Books owned by Donald and Carol Brader next door to the Clinton Academy, located in an old plumbing shop with a garage, I guess, or a, a shed or some something next door. And long story short about this, they the Braders moved to the East End from New York in 1950, and the place was very bohemian, uh, food, toys, books, records. And it was really, it was really where the village of East Hamptons had a load of this term, Esperanza liberals <laughs> the liberal element but the carport which i guess was where the plumbing vehicles i mean could you imagine this was next on, door to clinton academy con, I yeah mean, i'm on main street like basically across from guild hall right exactly yeah exactly so there was a carport and it was filled for two years with you know franz klein osario joan mitchell de kooning Lee Krasner Pollock. I mean, and and I love this line. I really love this. Although security was non-existent, there was no thief around who was smart enough. Right. Yeah. What was, is that on the wall? <laughs> my my two-year-old could make that. Exactly. And that must have been what was happening here. So Rest forwarding it a little bit. By 1957, the Braders closed this business. And it was at that point where Osario, Little, and Parker said, hey, maybe, maybe 1957, maybe now's our time. Mm. And Esperanza, would you believe the first place they wanted to open the Signa Gallery? I mean, this is at a little fish market. It was next door to Guildhall. <laughs> uh, yeah, just picture that. Picture that in our picturesque village. I I really, I I had a hard time rapping. You know, we do make Esperance and I. I mean, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, if you yeah, could I, just like go to Guildhall, check out some art and then go next door and pick, and pick up, up your you fish. Know, some clams and some fish. I, yeah. Could you imagine? Right, I'd love I, it. I, I, you know, that <laughs> was crazy. But apparently that deal fell through and it was, the people of Guildhall, and this was a quote in the New York Times article, were afraid of it. They were afraid of, oh, what this kind of art being shown. You could imagine the reaction this must have elicited at that point in time. Crazy. But what a great story. But the Maidstone Market at 53 Main Street became available. And... The window signs were hand-painted by James Brooks. And there is an amazing picture on Helen Harrison's book of uh, them standing in front of that. But anyway, um, they opened in 1957. And as much as they were sort of complaining about, you know, what do we need a gallery here for in the country? Meanwhile, Esperanza, hmm. the opening attracted 500 people. I don't doubt it. I mean, these people were not friendless, by the way. So, I mean, there was already a good solid group of artists out here, you know, the Hamptons, Bohemia, Right. that uh, I don't, I don't doubt it. Even out of curiosity, people must have gone. 
I, I would think, you know, and especially 500 people, they probably sort of came from all over. I would, I, I, I do have to admit to wondering about the demographics of the crowd there were, was it really, was it really all New York art types Esperanza? Or do you think we actually had some farmers and fishermen in there too? Well, that's what I, 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 I wonder. I, I think they probably would have gone. I, I do. And I know for a fact that like I have, a good friend whose grandfather, you know, local uh, landscaping business, uh, horticulturist, he he was a, an artist, you know, right. in his off time. And he, right. you know, he'd hang out with Pollock. Yeah. So, you and, know, and, it's not and, unlikely. No, I, I don't think so. And, it and, was much more integrated in that way, I think, before. That's why I said before that I think, like, the conservative element was maybe more reserved to the... Uh, elites, if we will. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really do think it's possible. I mean, and look, you know, de Kooning lived in Springs till the end of his life because he wanted to live amongst the regular folk. You know, yeah. I mean, he always they, he was quoted and saying that, you know, all the time. But so the first season, I mean, you know, this is really was like a who's who. I mean, you had Franz Klein and James Brooks, Lasso, Charlotte Park. And you mentioned you mentioned Marcel Duchamp at the, was, opening, right? at the opening, right? Yeah, he, he, he was at the opening. And you use the term trailblazer, and it's a, it's really an accurate term. You yeah, know, I couldn't and, I couldn't say it, but I did mention it. it yeah, completely right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I think we all we all got through this, but 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 their mission, the Signa's mission, was really to introduce local audiences, and here was the key: huh? you know, new significant contributions to painting and sculpture of its day, yeah. and you could read into that as being. This is not going to be the same old, same old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, would be, and I love that significant contributions. A, you know, a, a, completely, and yep. and that's I, I think that's really, I, I think that said it all. And now they weren't a co-op gallery, and you know, again, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds, but you know, the Signet did have something in common. They this was the gallery was really formed in, in a sense as a reaction to certain museums and dealers ignoring these up-and-comers, these, especially these up-and-coming Americans for the more European modernist. Yeah, it, this, yeah it was always very Eurocentric. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it did, however, and this was made very clear in everything I read, um, they did rely on the goodwill of the Uptown Galleries, the Sid Janus, uh, Leo Castelli, all of these people. But as Osorio, this, a lot of this was an interview uh, Alfonso Osorio gave uh, at the Creeks. And again, this interview was taking place in 1990. And, you know, he was, was thinking about, he was like, he died shortly after. Must I, have I, been, yeah. I believe so. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but he was a very, you know, very flamboyant kind of guy, mm -hmm. big personality, guy, you know, personality that really filled the room. And I'm, I'm reading some of these quotes. We were filled with the exuberance of youth then. Now, remember, he was talking 30 years prior. Mm -hmm. You know, Guildhall had shown some of our avant-garde works a surprising thing for a stuffy organization like that. <laughs> you know, so there was there was a lot of that. But the three of them um, felt that an independent gallery was really needed. Yeah. You know, and, and, and a commercial gallery. I mean, here they were, yes. you know, they were looking to like, that's the part that's most notable. I mean, one thing is if they had tried to just open some kind of like, you know, pseudo museum, you know, like a right. little collection of the, But this was an, a commercial gallery at the time in a 
farming fishing village with a seasonal you know Correct. a seasonality that continues through today that that you know you would think how could they possibly think that would make it you know exactly but i i think now we can't speak for them but just from everything i've read and just and i'm sure from what you've read i mean this is something you know that you obviously know a lot more about than i do but i think they were looking at a bigger picture you yep. know, just in terms of it, it wasn't necessarily um, I mean, look, they, you, no one goes into any business to lose money. Right. But, but it wasn't like they were going to. Yeah, it wasn't the moneymaker. Right. I, I agree. I, I, yeah. I don't I don't think their motivation was was really profit <laughs> as much as it was um, just to sort of introduce the, the work and even the concept, you know, to a community yeah, um, yeah. At, at large. And you know, reading on like John Little's wife, Josephine, said it was talking about this, how there was resistance on some artists to cooperate because a lot of them felt that they were going to put their own works in the positions of power. You know, they were that the, the three like the three founders would be yes. sort of the ones that would be the stars and everybody it, else would it, be it, sort of it, secondary. It, yeah, it, it, exactly right. And but instead would, it was really egalitarian. It was very completely, much completely. So. Yeah. They were they were these 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 the three of them were really not about that. And Josephine Little continues to say they they didn't even open the the, the gallery with their own works. They were scrupulously fair. Mm -hmm. And if you added up the square feet of what they showed the three of us had less than many of the others yeah. over the, over the period of time. So I think, and I would tend to really, I would really tend to believe that, but to the point of the bigger picture by season two of the Cigna, and this is a name I even remember David Porter. Yeah. Now, David Porter was, he was an artist Esperanza, am I correct as well? But, or, but he actually opened the summer outpost of a gallery the Esther Stutman Gallery at the Sea Spray Inn. The Sea yes. Spray Inn should be another conversation for another. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just when I learned, I I did not know that detail, and I'm right. just trying to picture the Sea Spray Inn with this little gallery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the Sea Spray Inn was. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do. A, hey, we're, I think I'm gonna do a segue. So <laughs> we're gonna touch on this really briefly. The Sea Spray Cottages still exist adjacent yes. to Main Beach. You see, Correct. whatever there's six or eight, whatever, yep. and they're like very small. Cottages. They're owned by the village. And I mean, they are nestled in a dune like you can't imagine. I mean, this is the location of locations. But there was a Sea Spray Inn over there as well that was a hotel, really. It was, large. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, th that will be something maybe hopefully for another day. But um, it's where so, I ate my first potato. Was Ever. That pota was that potato for Trampton Loam? I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> My very first potato. Wow. Ever. So you actually, so you actually, wow, this is, I, I'm sorry. We have to stop. We have to just do a brief segue. We, you never know what, what's going to go down on our Hamptons. <laughs> so you, you are actually in the sea spray in. So yeah, you, we would go to the, to dinner there. Yeah. Okay. So you, re, okay. Wow. That's, we're going to hold. I'm that, that I'm that old. We're, not at all. <laughs> uh, trust me, I could be her older brother. Anyway, um, We'll have to come back to that. So, so okay. So David Porter at the Sea Spray <laughs> so, right, so but, but the point was, you know, he and, opened a gallery right. here. And at 23 Newtown Lane, there was a gallery called the Blue Horse. Blue, uh, so, Blue, so Blue House? Blue the Blue Horse. House. Pardon Blue me. House. The Blue House. Pardon me. But point of the story, um, Esther Bronzer, do you think it's safe to say that 
the Cigna opened the doors for those two galleries. Oh, I mean, it sounds that way, unless you consider the Braiders to have done some kind of, you know, ushering in of that, you know, this, I think they made it a serious endeavor, which is, you know, not just having like a bookstore with a few art pieces hanging right. in it, right? And, so and it, ha- right. And it, happened it was a proper very, gallery. And it happened organically. You know, remember, these were very bohemian uh, environment, you know, uh, you had this incredible artwork in a carport next to a building that sold candy. You right, know, right. And, and, whereas and whereas so, this, you know, clearly, and I know that, you know, uh, Osorio says this, like he was very much about keeping the records, knowing exactly what right. was, you know, like the checklists and who, what artworks were exhibited and, you know, really meticulously keeping an archive of those things. So you exactly. know that it was like a true business endeavor and it wasn't just three artists kind of having a, you know, a little playful fun with art. Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, without question. And again, what and it even says that here, you know, going moving on with like how they were look running a gallery, Esperanza ran a gallery. It is hard work. I mean, and mm-hmm. it's not, it's not an it's it's a difficult business. Um, but these three partners really did enjoy doing this. And as Alfonso Osorio said, you know, the openings, the lectures, the forums. They were exhilarating. I mean, there was an energy to this, um, despite, as they describe, occasional threats of physical violence from <laughs> husbands of women artists that the signal would not show, which which sort of strikes me, considering one of the three partners was Elizabeth was it, Parker. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and yes, we've, we've been over this in prior episodes. And I mean, Esperanza could probably speak to this at length. Uh, female artists of that day were female artists, not artists. Yes. They were, they was, it was like a secondary class. Yeah. A secondary class. Exactly. Even so, with the abstract expressionists, you know, there, there were plenty of great women, but they were still considered sort of. Yeah. And women beneath. artists like, you know, yeah. with that, they were. The qualifier says it all. Yeah. The qualifier. Right. Right. But now there was an East Hampton sculptor. This was not a name. I recognize Esperanza. Did you remember a Don Kennedy? A no, I, okay. I, I don't know. Okay. I didn't recognize this name either, but he was a college student at the time working at the gallery. And this is Don Kennedy's quote, how you'd go to a Cigna opening and there was always a dialogue on art. It wasn't like it is today now. And this is 1990. Yeah. It wasn't like it is today with everyone talking about real estate and investments. Thank you, Don. Yes. I mean, that that is a, a I, that is a commentary that had that is relevant to this day. We're not going to get too, too off into the weeds of what the industry of art has become. Um, that could be a whole other dialogue, but it's really about a blue chip investment in a lot of ways rather than about the piece. Yes. About the art itself. Yeah. Okay. And. But this is up now. Here's a very telling point that Don Kennedy brings up, Esperanza, and it really plays into uh, what we were just referring to in terms of were they making a living at the signet? And, you know, basically it was one browser Don Kennedy remembered vividly. He came in daily to see this particular Franz Klein piece, but he wouldn't buy it from us. He waited until Franz's New York dealer sold it to a Swiss dealer. And then bought it in Switzerland for three times what we asked for it. And <laughs> and that was, they made these kind of comments that, and it got back to, why do we need a, an art gallery here in the country? Um, 
was it not authentic? It wouldn't be a real deal if you didn't buy it from what? From a New York dealer. Well, that, you know, I mean, I opened my gallery in 2001 and I heard the same stuff. Really? Imagine. Right. Which wasn't that much, you know, so long after this, you know, it was only a decade really. Right. But that's exactly what people would say. Like, why would people buy? Well, first of all, like, I love their noble sort of, we're going to, you know, we're going to open a gallery to feature significant contributions of contemporary art. I, I opened a gallery of Latin American artists and people out here and people, why would you do that? Right. People are only interested in landscapes, seascapes, gulls, you know. Right, right. <laughs> which, 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 by the way, when I used to volunteer at the Guildhall Clothesline Art Sale, truly were the first pieces that went. That would sell, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I exactly. Mean, it's you know, true. But, 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 uh, but that's right. changed, obviously. I mean, look how we've evolved, if you will. But definitely that comment that uh, that Mr. Kennedy says, I, I, I mean, heard it more than once. I could have, I could only imagine. But boy, it is so dead on and is probably more relevant 30 years later. You know, now we're talking 2022 versus 1990. You know, still relevant, more relevant. Um, so, but wow, I mean, he was totally on the money. No well, now we just have those New York dealers here. So it's, it's that's, that's, a, that's a complete, <laughs> that, that is completely true. I, I mean, we're, to, we're edged out. We are, we really are. I mean, I, I, I've, I've lost count of the number. You could almost say that galleries are like the, it, it's really a race between galleries and real estate and real estate. who has the most, the most physical space here at this point, but yeah. By the fourth season of The Signal, and the business was edging into the black. And wow, I, I love this line in this article, how Signa was becoming a victim of its own success. So, you know, by season four, now this was um, the fourth year is actually, like I think, the, I guess the last year of the gallery. Um, they were really sort of coming into their own, but it was also taking the toll Anasario, Parker, and Little, who were, remember, at the end of the day, they were artists. Right. So it's taking away time from you creating, producing art. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally understand not being an artist, but you end up not consuming culture when you are trying to, you know, present it all the time. <laughs> it, it, comp- so I, you're it, really, it's kind of the same thing. You know, com- completely true. And I mean, I would say, Look, um, Asario was uh, Asario was wealthy. I mean, I, but but he was, and he, I think he was creating art. Um, he he didn't need to reap the rewards of selling his own work. I mean, he was he knew where his next meal was going to be. I mean, Elizabeth Parker and John Little, um, they weren't in his financial league, right. and um, you know, for them it became a little bit different, I'm sure. And now Esperanza, I gotta. I have to get on this because I just I love this part of where we're going now. So Esperanza made that very salient point how there was less time for their own work. But it's amazing how things happen the way they happen. Story that continues to this day anywhere, anywhere in the anywhere in the country. The landlord on Main Street for 53 Main Street, whomever he or she was demanded a substantial a substantial rent increase that they couldn't afford. So in 1960, they moved, this blew me away, a former Halsey's garage at 65 Newtown Lane. 
currently stop and shop. Or if you still call it the AMP, because I do. <laughs> okay. Or, uh, or or if you want to go in, if you want to split the difference, wall bams. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But also, I was just, I was uh, remembering. So they were at 53 Main Street, which was around, actually, it's kind of next door. It's the building next door to the, where the drawing room is now. Right. I, on I, Main I mean, Street. Maybe it's like where Restoration Hardware is. I mean, no, I'm not, it's not that it's, far down. No, it's like right in the middle. I, okay. I, I looked it up. Okay. So it's a building that's right there next to next to uh, the drawing room. Okay. Um, but yeah, this this location apparently was not as advantageous to them on Newtown Lane, was it? Even though no, it was bigger, probably, right? Well, it was a garage. So, I mean, it was an old auto garage. So, I mean, actually, I mean, the space was probably far superior. Yeah. But um, I guess Newtown Lane at that point in time was considered more off the beaten path. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, sort so, of like North um, Main Street was for me. The And it even says here in this article. Right. Exactly. Um, the traffic didn't approach the Main Street mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. location. So yeah, it didn't it didn't meet the same level. Right. Correct, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, I mean, well, again, while this wasn't, you know, a, you know, again, they were not, again, not trying to make money on this, but um, they broke even most of the sales of the day were the established collectors, the Evan Frankels, the Ben Hellers, the Dorothy Newman, but they never really attracted the new audience. Um, Which is what was, you always want. Yeah. Yeah. Like the established people were coming in, but it was not, and I read this somewhere else. I don't know if it was in here. It was really the gallery. It was almost window shoppers, people walking by. Oh, let's peek in here and see what's here. And that's really the tourists, you know, like the the the, the typical walking with the ice cream cone down on Main Street oh, kind yeah. of thing. Tire okay, <laughs> so right, so that's who, that's who was really walking around and. Um, and again, Alfonso Osorio saying at the time, even though some collectors with no real knowledge of art and no taste did not have the same courage to buy unknown artists in a provincial gallery, and here we go, but would wait until the same works appeared in New York. Yep. So there was yeah, that. there's like a legitimacy, right? Yeah. Exactly. So there was definitely a stigma. And a stigma to the sigma. Yeah, a stigma to the sigma. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, and, now, here was another interesting thing. I mean, you could probably speak to this well. Um, this, at this era, there was pop art did not seem to sit well with the Signa partners. And Osorio uh, even said, we ran the gallery for one point of view, abstract expressionism. And this is his, now that I'm going to use his words here, Esperanza. And while this movement, movement had enormous range and great similarities, we did not like what we saw coming from the Warhols and the Rauschenbergs. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah. it was kind of like a moment where abstract expressionism had kind of run its course, maybe, you know, it's the next movement was coming in. And he probably, I, 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 I tend to wonder if he, I don't never really read anything where they looked at that with regret because maybe if they would have seized that moment, mm. knowing, you know, what, how enormous with the Warhol Rauschenberg is, it became. Mm -hmm. But Josephine Little said, at some point you had to decide, are you, either, are you running a gallery or are you a painter? No, I totally. I mean, it really, it's very taxing. You, yeah. Yep. So. And, and, and that was really, but. That was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the end. And Alfonso Osorio said that, look, 
they fulfilled one of their goals. They had gotten more people to look seriously at contemporary art. And again, he's speaking in 1990 and he's looking back to when he was 30 years younger. Yeah. And this is really sort of a good place to close, start to close this up out of Sprenza. And this is Alfonso Osorio. Look, when one is very young and full of energy, there's always a need to stick one's neck out, produce things that 30 years later will come back and haunt you. We did that. And today there is a need for this again. Yep. So true. Wow. I like that. Well, that's yeah. I love that whole sticking your neck out. That's yeah. another that Lee Krasner would say that too. Yes. Yeah. And they, and they really did stick yeah. their neck out and um, they did, you know, when you look back and again, thinking back as we've sort of put this, episode to bed 1957 conservative east hampton long island these three abstract expressionists did stick their neck out yeah yeah and one thing i wanted to say actually regarding elizabeth parker because we mentioned her her former home but do note that um if you ever happen to go into town hall, you will actually see her work also. If you not only at the Springs Library where they do have, I think, one or two paintings, but town hall is populated with them. So no kidding. No, yeah. not village hall. You're talking about East Hampton Town. East hall. Hampton Town Hall. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is there is a haunting. I guess it might be a self-portrait of her uh in in the Springs Library, which I which is Oh, always, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then upstairs been... they have a, yeah. a large canvas. We... But but actually, no, town hall, if you're waiting in line for your, you know, beach permit or something like that. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a yeah. very good tip. I um I believe me, I've been on that line many times. So, <laughs> um until I started doing it by mail. But um well my recycling anyway. I don't think I think the beach you really have to go in, but um, that really is a that's a great tip, and uh, probably is really worthwhile to see. I could tell you this: living in Springs, I've been to see those uh, paintings and stuff. Springs Library Historical Society has a lot of good work to 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 visit, and uh, it it's is, worth yes. it. It's really worth also it. worth it in Duck Creek, as we said, Completely. and and you know we've mentioned a lot of these players, and I mentioned to you, Irwin, that I. I was fortunate enough to get to meet a few of these individuals, right. you know, to meet Ibram Lassau, to meet uh, Paul Brock and Miriam Shapiro. I mean, that was like a highlight of my of my right. youth, if you will. So I'm sure. And not yeah. to mention that and not to mention now Philip Pavia was Oh Philip Pavia, yeah. Uh, Philip Pavia, pardon me. Uh, and um now his son Paul is still here. Excellent. I... Yep. Yeah. Excellent sculptor so, um, also. And around the corner from Duck Creek, actually. And a, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I walk on that street and I see that name out there. I guess yeah. that was his, maybe his, maybe Phillips house originally. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was. So, yeah. There, all right. Um, and one, and one last thing that we should not forget to mention even uh, just very quickly is that, you know, this exhibition in 1990 at Guild Hall had a companion exhibition at the East Hampton uh, Center for Contemporary Art, which was on Newtown Lane. Right. And actually it was, you know, Erwin, you asked me if I had been aware of that. And I, I was aware of it, but I unfortunately wasn't really, um, I was away at school in that mm -hmm. time period. But talk about another worthy, you know, sort of similar to the Signa Gallery, a, a place that really did some amazing um, uh, work featuring contemporary art. Yeah. Definitely, so, definitely of its time. Yes. And, um, but that was, I think that was really, in addition to the, how important the signal was, you know, I hope everyone 
uh, that's listening and will listen. Um, just the moment in time of late 1950s East Hampton, a fish market next to Guildhall. Yes. You know, a, a plumbing supply uh, business with a carport next to Clinton Academy. Yeah. Like, Mechanics was, Garage on uh, Newtown. Uh, uh, Newtown. Yeah. I mean, this stuff yeah. is just when we talk sense of place and history on our Hamptons. Yeah. You have to get those pictures in your head. Right. uh, And and when, and we will try to find some of those pictures that when this episode airs to post on Instagram, uh, some of the pictures from Helen's book are just fantastic. fantastic Yeah. So we will definitely do that. But Esperanza, that was, it was, it was a great journey to take, especially with someone uh, with your art history knowledge. It was especially good uh, for me. And I hope that's going to come off to everybody who listens, but this was a lot of fun. It was exhilarating. Thanks so much, Erwin. Thanks, Esperanza. Until next time. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.